You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's News and Insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Tax Wrap podcast. We're doing episode 76 today. How time passes. Um, and look, it's been in the news lately the uh, MP allowances for travel. And, you know, when they're up in Canberra, staying there, and it's become a bit of an issue for some reason. But um, I'm wondering. I'm oh, sorry, I'm joined by Lisa and Andy, of course. Hi, hi everyone. Hi, Thanks Steve. for remembering that That's we're like... here, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hi, Steve. We're too used to each other's company. But, um, uh, guys, is there an issue? Why has this all come up now, and wh- what are they on about? Yeah, I think one of the things, Steve, is, you know, as long as we know, known politicians have... Uh, particularly federal politicians have received allowances um, for overnight travel. So, and this is no different to itinerant workers who might receive an allowances for staying overnight whilst they work. Or, you know, for example, if Lisa flies up to Sydney to attend one of her meetings with the ATO, um, you typically she'll have some form of accommodation yeah. overnight. So, for a very long time, politicians have received these allowances, and these allowances are typically not assessed. In their hands, on the assumption that the the value of that allowance will be fully spent on the accommodation slash meals and drink, for example. Yeah. So, so that's always been the case, and that's always been contained in law. And they refer to it as the substantiation exception in taxation law. And there's a there's a ruling that that contains you know all the different um, rules, but also some of the, the relevant uh, reasonable amounts. Okay. And it sort of makes sense, doesn't it, Andy? Because the politicians are spending so many sitting days up in Canberra and mm. things like that. And I think we talked about as well, airlines do a similar sort of thing where they give you some sort of amount, you know, because you have to be away from home. Yeah, yeah. But this is different to if, say, a person from a business goes to a different capital city on a, on a trip for a conference or whatever, and they stay in a hotel, they're reimbursed for that expenses. Yeah, well, is, is like I've done, I've done a lot of travels in my previous lives when I was in the biotech industry as well, Steve. And, you know, I never got an allowance. I just basically got a credit card. All oh, right. And um, I've just spent it. And the rule of thumb, we weren't given a, a quota in any, I've worked for small companies as well as large companies, mm. and just basically said what um, I would normally spend at home, I'll just spend on a meal. So if I usually have a three course meal at home, they yep. said have a three-course meal when you're away. Yep. You know, if you have a bottle of wine every night, do it then. But you know, just be just Keep the be, reasonable, be reasonable, and you right. know, just claim your expenses as you come back. So mm. you know, you basically break even. Well, I, suppose, and I assume most politicians travel to Canberra. There wouldn't be too many that. Well, there might be people who live there, but um, what's the difference though with poli- with MPs' uh, claims and tr- yeah, why, so why the issue now? It's it's no different. So I guess first and foremost, there's no different to any other taxpayers. For politicians, the commissioner's prescribed amount, 273. So right. those politicians will receive an allowance typically to that amount and they would spend it on accommodation up to that limit without substantiation as we spoke about a little bit earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, where the so-called issues arise is pol- parliamentarians who might have a place of residence or a they might purchase a house up in Canberra or, or some other state, wherever you know, wherever, wherever they come from. So, yep. to go up to the parliamentary sitting without actually renting out or hiring any form of accommodation, for example, you know, getting a hotel, for example. Right. So, the the issue that seems to be at hand is some of those politicians may arguably be claiming deductions with respect to those sorts of properties that they they reside in. So, oh, yeah. so there is a question out there as to whether there is any sort of uh, double dipping that's going on. Okay, yeah. so they claim a tax deduction on the property and take this allowance. 
That's for correct. staying yeah, there. That's correct. So there are claims out there that that's the case. So no different to if you had a rental property, Steve. So things, for example, such as your rates and your utilities, and yep. and you know if it was if you had a mortgage, interest deductions, those sorts of things. Right. So it's basically an investment property, negative gearing, which is the the big catch yeah. cry at the moment as well, Steve. So well, that's that does how sound like an issue, but has it actually happened? I mean, is this the case? No, I, I think one of the things is we went away and had a look at the taxation ruling that's specifically for members of parliament and yep. I can I have it right in front of me it's TR 1999/10 and I uh, I also note Steve that the commissioner of taxation has issued a statement which I, I guess might be worth you going briefly well, he through well did, did just just briefly uh, the tax commissioner Chris Jordan issued a media release uh, this week uh, just I suppose because he realized there was an issue that needed some statement from the ATO and he's basically saying, look, the rules are the same for every taxpayer, regardless of their occupation. And he says that any taxpayer who has had to travel overnight for work is entitled to deduct the costs of meals and accommodation under our tax laws. And he said that he's given that, that the ATO has undertaken to review the 1999 ruling, that's the one you have in front of you, Daddy, That's right, Steve. To give greater clarity for taxpayers on the treatment of allowances. So he's not saying he's going to review the ruling, he's just going to go over it again just as I said to underline the the statements that are made in that ruling so so what are those that's yeah that's correct Stephen I, I have to say it's a little bit cumbersome the, the way it's written back oh. in 1999 but the general thrust of it is that if you're a politician and you have a residence say up in Canberra then if it is deemed to be your second residence you can't claim any deductions with respect to that property because uh, the law says that that's um, private and domestic in nature. And so there's a body of case law that supports that um, proposition. But the really interesting thing, Andy, which we were hunting for, because tax laws always got definitions for everything, there's no oh, definition yeah. of what your secondary residence really is. So ah. what does it mean? Does it mean you know your family come up and stay with you, which probably the taxpayer's paying for that trip as well, but don't, we won't go into that. <laughs> um, and you know what does it look like that it's your secondary residence? Residence. Yes, so the ruling does go through a number of different factors from an old case called Case X4. That's an old (laughs) tribunal case. Um, So it does look at some of those those relevant factors, such as you know, sort of what your purpose is going up there. Are you taking, like Lisa said, are you taking family up there? All those sorts of uh, relevant factors that you need to take into consideration. So, if the property is not taken to be your second residence, then there is scope there for you to claim. Um, deductions with respect to to that property that you own. So if, if it's not your primary place of residence, to use a term, uh, borrow a term from the, the CGT rules, I suppose. That's yeah, but you've probably um, got yeah. your residence in your own electorate. Well, you yeah, should have your residence in yeah. your own electorate unless you're a, a blow-in mm. that sometimes happens, especially at this time of year with safe um, yeah. seats that I'm a, I'm a affected by. But anyway, that's another story again. But um, what we're saying, Andy, is that... Uh, this house or apartment or garage or whatever in, in Canberra, it could be convenient for the police to have yeah. a quasi-home up there, which they would never declare as being a secondary residence. Mm. But it depends on sort of who owns it, whether you can get away with it, and, isn't and it, Andy? That's, and that's, that's absolutely correct, Lisa, because a lot of the stuff that – a lot of the commentators or the stuff that you've been reading through the media seems to suggest that it's the it's the uh, poly that's also owning the property, right? And one of the requirements under the substantiation exception is that it's the tax the taxpayer must actually incur the costs. So, if I was to receive an allowance, 
how do I claim a deduction if I receive the money and then spend it? It doesn't quite make sense because the, you're taking it from one hand and you're putting it into the other. So um, technically, you're not actually incurring any costs to actually take advantage of that uh, that substantiation oh, exception yeah. that we mentioned a little bit earlier. So it's a bit like I'm thinking about it now. It's a bit like um, maybe giving a investment property to your kids to live in and they don't actually pay any rent well how can you negative gear that if there's nothing to and that's sort of what the analogy is so Mm, mm. if penny wong or joe hockey or whatever own a house up there you know and it's there in their name Mm. they can't really claim any deduction you've just reminded me wasn't there an actual wasn't there an issue with joe hockey yeah and the the interesting thing with joe hockey the way that we recall when we were talking about it before preparing for the for the tax wrap, Steve, was that it was actually in his wife's name. Ah. So I think that maybe Mrs. Hockey, I know she doesn't go by hockey, I can't remember what, what her maiden name is, um, probably issued an invoice to Joe and all his cronies. I think there was it was a bit of a boy's house of about four <laughs> pollies that were in there at okay. one stage. Sounds fun. Right? And so she'd issue an invoice, Joe would pay it, and then she could claim it as a basically investment okay. property. And then he could and claim the... the Expense, I assume. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's that's really the the issue at at stake here. Whether whether that's you know something that, I mean, the laws work as intended. I mm. think that's okay. the first thing we should say. Yeah. However, whether that's fair and equitable from the viewpoints of you know the, the electorate and also you know hardworking taxpayers. But yeah. but what's true, Andy, is that this could happen to anyone with an allowance. That's correct. Right? So, Steve, if you were given an allowance and you were sent to Sydney or something on a regular basis Mm -hmm. and, you know, you had a a property there in your wife's name and you were given an allowance, you could do exactly the same thing. Maybe it's a little bit of a rort and it's a little bit of a long bow, but... Yeah. As it stands, it's it's all okay. It's all above the Yeah, and I think what's come about when you look at how old this ruling is, you know, 1999, I started reading it and said, you can deduct your FID. I mean, financial institutions, (laughs) Judy, how long ago was that abolished? So it's a little bit long in the tooth, and I think this is what's coming out with all the so-called rorts and the allowances and the chopper gates and everything like that, is that a lot of these rules, whether written like this tax ruling or unwritten rules, have been around for ages. It's yep. about time that we sort of brought it back into the 2016s and see what's acceptable yep. for, Even for the, for the like citizens now. Like you mentioned before, the definitions perhaps need a bit of tightening up. Yes. Yeah. And and the other thing as well, Steve, is you know over the last 12 to 24 months, the Commissioner has been quite active in terms of compliance on uh, travel allowances and travel expenses just generally for taxpayers from all walks That's of right. life. So, yep. you know, we've heard academics, we've heard truck drivers, you know, face similar sort of issues. So, you know, whether politicians or people from other similar type professions should be considered is, you know, really up to the commissioner to to, to spread out his net. Yeah, yeah. Well, it all takes conversations like this to bring up the issues and to discuss them and see what can be done. And I must admit, it seems that, that Jordan has been um, active in uh, in looking at all the legislation and uh, it's all upwards and getting improved from here on in, I yeah. suppose. I mean, we do agree with the Commissioner that, I mean, it's worth um, him and his uh, uh, and DHO looking at the ruling just to clarify those positions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's more an enforcement and you know, it's a self-assessment, the responsibility and everyone self-assessing their own tax position to yeah. see whether, you know, it's acceptable or not or is there an element of risk, you know, in, in doing things along these lines. I'm sure the whole effort and, the you know, the standard business reporting and the data matching and all the other 
high tech things that are happening are going to uh, clamp down on this sort of thing as well. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, well, thanks very much, uh, Lisa and Andy. This has been enlightening as usual. Um, thank you, listeners, and uh, we'll be back at the microphones next week.